Welcome to Epic Fails, Finding Redemption in Our Stories. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this show, you'll hear from people from all walks of life sharing powerful stories of transformation. My hope is that as you hear these stories of redemption, you'll find redemption in your own. Today, I have with me on the show Josh Kingry, a youth pastor at Red Rocks Church in Denver, Colorado. He's married to Caroline, a very lovely lady also on staff at the church. And they have a son named Kellen that is, in my opinion, one of the cutest babies you've ever seen. I promise. But before he was a youth pastor and had this great family, Josh spent many years attempting to do life on his own. Parties, drinking, girls. Josh lived in a way that would seem pretty normal in the world, yet was a life that left him unfulfilled and with regret. But let's hear it from him. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brittany. Um, so, Josh, how about you share with the audience a little bit about your upbringing and what life was like for you growing up? Okay, I grew up in a, um, a Lutheran home. My mom grew up Lutheran. My dad grew up Baptist. And um, <clears throat> I, I thought church was boring. And so um, I would go because you have to go. And I didn't like Sunday school. I didn't like sitting in church. I think when you were younger, they gave you something to color on, which was great, but I don't know what kind of message that is either. Don't pay attention to the message. Yeah. Uh, but um, but I, I never, like, I just didn't like going. I didn't like, yeah. uh, I just, it was it didn't, it didn't really interest me in any way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but my mom and my mom had me go because she made that commitment to me. So, um, so I grew up in a really great, great home, like Christian home. <clears throat> um, I think um, growing up, I moved around a lot. So, um, I was always trying to find, you know, a friend group or who do I fit in with where and um, figuring out how to make friends and do all that stuff. And so um, I think in that, you know, opens up doors to saying yes to things because you want people to like you and you want yeah. people to um, give you a chance. You know, mm-hmm. I think when you move around a lot, like being given a chance is a huge deal. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I moved around from Omaha to Missouri to Iowa and then. I kept moving after college as well. I think in high school, though, is when I started doing, like, typical teenager things, which is it's sad to say they're typical, but they are typical things. Mm. Um, and it was funny because depending on which high school I went to, I went to two different high schools. The first one, everyone seemed to be more into the drug scene, and the second one, everyone seemed to be more into the alcohol scene. And so the first one, I think that was where I um, – I mean, I did both there. I figured – I. Um, I uh, I got in I think, smoking pot at the first one. I didn't never I never really liked it, but everyone was but everyone was doing it. I, I remember never being like I have to do that. Hmm. I want to go do that. Yeah. I remember every time doing it being terrified, because it was I just felt so much worse than drinking. But um, <clears throat> and then we even got into uh, drinking a little bit. I lived in a really safe neighborhood growing up, and people would leave their garage doors up, and so um, we would just go in and take beer out of the fridge and um, collect it in a duffel bag. Um, <clears throat> one time my friends and I, we were at my parents' house and in the basement we had, it was a smaller basement, we had a portion of it finished and a portion of it was storage and in the finished portion, I remember one day like middle middle of the afternoon for whatever reason, there was like three of us sitting on this couch watching watching TV with, we each had our own blanket over our lap and we would, we would hide the beer between our legs underneath the blanket, like middle of the day, I don't <laughs> 
don't know how we didn't get caught. Teenagers are smart. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I guess we're really stupid. I don't. I mean, now at least I know what to look for with my own child. Right. But um, we were just. It was that kind of neighborhood. I, th- I think like middle class, you know, white kid. You just don't feel like you can get into much trouble, you know, because you you don't make a lot of really stupid decisions. So even if you did get in trouble, you know, you're not going to jail. So I, I never really felt guilty about any of that stuff. Um, never felt like I was doing the wrong thing, <clears throat> or if I did feel like I was doing the wrong thing, it didn't feel like it was an eternally wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where I was like, oh, this is part of growing up. So I think that's pretty typical. I think people, I think I think a lot of people can say a similar story. You know. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I, I had, if, if you would have asked me at that time, like, do you believe that in Jesus Christ? I would have said yes, because I just, I feel like you have to care a whole lot to say no. Hmm. And I just didn't, I didn't really care either way. Care, yeah. So I was just like, yeah, I mean, of course I do, you know? Yeah. So I think similar, my response would have been then to, you know, getting into these things is I just wanted to kind of fit the mold. Right. Um, a little bit. So, yeah, so that... That was kind of growing up. Yeah. So you had a pretty typical Midwestern upbringing. Yeah, the yeah. good life. Yeah. Right? God, God's, God's, God's promised country. land. God's yeah. country. <laughs> um, now, your life took a different turn in college. What happened then? So in college, so um, I went to the University of Iowa because they were the first one to accept me, and it was in state. Um, and I didn't know at the time, but I was getting ready to go to one of the top ten party schools in the country. And clearly my mom didn't know either. Yeah. She might have been like, let's look at other places. Right. But I think she was just happy I got into college. I didn't, I didn't like school very much, so getting in was kind of a big deal. I, it wasn't that I was bad at it. I just didn't like school, so mm-hmm. I just got bored. But So what, what I, when I got there, the allure and the idea of a fraternity was really, was really strong mm-hmm. because of the whole pitch of you know, lifetime friendship. And as I'd grown up and moved around so much, you know, I never had the experience of the same friend that I grew up playing in the sandbox with, and now we're, we're all going to prom together and, and doing that thing. And I think I always liked that. Um, and I never really got to have that. And so mm-hmm. this, to me, stood out as an opportunity to get some lifelong friends, yeah. friends that aren't going to go anywhere, and, man, we can move to the same place. Um, it, just, it opened up a door of possibility mm-hmm. for friendships. And so it was really important to me. So I joined a I, – I definitely – yeah, I joined a fraternity. I joined Sigma Phi Epsilon fraternity at the University of Iowa. I forget. It's the Iowa Gamma chapter. I was going to forget what chapter it was, and it came <laughs> right back to me. Yeah. Uh, so you would say that growing up, although you found friends quickly, you longed for that lasting community and looked for it in a fraternity, correct? Yes, yeah. I think 100%. I think, knowing, you know, knowing what I know now, I think it's a desire on everyone's heart from, from the Lord to be in community with others. Sure. And so I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, obviously you can look back and it's 2020. I was, I think I was definitely looking for that. I just didn't know the right places to go. So, mm. and not that, not that all fraternities are bad. I, mine's not. They're not holistically bad. I feel like one bad apple spoils the bunch, but they do things like philanthropy events and give money away. I mean, they can be good there. So not that they're all bad, but it, for me, that was the wrong place to look. Right, right. Okay, so you're in the fraternity. What were those years like for you? Mm-hmm. So I kind of like to refer to my college fraternity years as my 40 days in the desert. <laughs> Hmm. Except I didn't. I didn't. Except I gave in to temptation rather than rather than defeat it. Hmm. Um, that I think everyone goes through life with their quote unquote forty days in the desert. Right. Um, and 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 some people have to go through it more than once. Hmm. And and so for me, I think this was this is where I would later in life look back to the most and be the most challenged by. 
Um, man, I was, I was, I, I just did the thing once again. You know, just the same as as in high school, um, just fit in the mold, right? And mm-hmm. and I did. I liked, I liked the idea of being a frat boy, and I liked um, what it, the opportunities that unlocked for me, and I liked um, that it was a bunch of people who had the same goals in mind, which that was just to be drunk all the time, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Um, so I liked I liked that group of people. I liked being around that. I mean, the drinking was was what you would expect, or maybe even worse. I think um, I think Animal House is not an unrealistic expectation. A lot of fraternities this these days and age and, and campuses, you know, they have to be dry. You can't drink there, so mm-hmm. it looks a little different than the house party thing. But we still party in houses. I mean, I was drinking. I think five, like anywhere from four to six days a week, no less than four, and that would only be if it was like finals week or right. something like that. So, um, <clears throat> drinking a lot, which freaked my mom out. I think she had an idea. There's a little bit of alcoholism on my dad and my dad, and so I think it freaked her out a little bit. But I never felt like, I never felt like it was something that I had to have. I just mm. same with like you know when we talked about the weed thing earlier. It's just that well, that was just like. That's how I'm going to fit in, you know. Yeah. Or that's how I'm going to assimilate to this group. And for me, it was always about assimilating, um, growing up. So, um, yeah, I uh, I was I was I was drinking a lot, and that that fueled then this anger issue. And I, I ended up, you know, having these these like outbreak these I don't want to call them outbreaks, but they were just momentary periods of rage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I got into a lot of fights with people. I had I decided that. Um, that I could I could be my own person and and um, even though I'm old enough to go to real prison now I, I wasn't gonna let anybody have you know I, I grew up in high school really really thin and then in college I kind of bulked up a little bit so I had like what they call small guy syndrome <laughs> and um, and yeah I remember there was one specific time where like that anger and the drinking thing kind of hit came to a head and I was a sophomore in college and living in my fraternity and I had um, our biggest rival in state was Iowa State. They were more of a bump in the road for us, and we always felt like for them to beat us was like the pinnacle of their year. Hmm. <clears throat> and I was at this house party, and it was one of our fraternity house brothers who, who was living there. And, and this guy was an Iowa State fan, and he just was not saying the right things. I mean, he's like he's the perfect example of why I never traveled to an away game because hmm. I would have been him, and I would have gotten myself into trouble. Right. And so I, I just... I I pushed the guy like super hard and he was mm. really drunk so he couldn't get his balance and he kind of stumbled fell and like hit the back of his head on like a concrete wall and then I raged out of there and was like super 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 furious and I had a, like 10 of my fraternity brothers try to hold me down and calm me down and the guy had to go to the ER and um and they were they were he was thinking about pressing charges by the grace of God, a former president of our fraternity who, for whatever reason, was still lingering around the University of Iowa, we called him the Godfather because he could fix anything and make it go away. <laughs> he actually somehow knew the guy or was related to him huh. and kind of talked to him, talked to the family, and all I had to do was apologize. But then the bigger the bigger problem came, well, that was going to be a huge problem. I would have gone to jail for right. a long time. Yeah. And I, that, won't, that would not go well for me. <clears throat> but it came when then I had to sit down in front of a like a board. Um, we had a disciplinary board in our fraternity, and it was for actions such as this. Now, normally you'd get a, a warning from them, then you'd get a meeting for the third strike or second strike, and then third strike, they're going to decide whether they want to keep you around or not. Mm-hmm. And for me, they just skipped to the last step because I had been acting out and being angry and all this stuff. And, you know, they just kind of said, like, hey, 
Um, well, we know we have like stuff written in our bylaws, but we're not even going to follow it with you. If you if you if you have one more outrageous act of violence, and we're talking, if you punch a hole in the wall, if you push somebody, if you swing at somebody, you know, you're out. You're out. And and that was really scary for me because, like I said, you know, here's this group that I wanted to be a part of. And I thought, like, I'm going to have these friends forever. So losing them was terrifying to me. And obviously the fact that I could lose them that easily means they weren't really my friends anyway. Hmm. But it was terrifying to me, but not to mention I'm living in a town where there's 30,000 college kids. In the middle of the semester, how am I going to find a place to live? Yeah. So I just decided that I'll, I'll get it figured out. You know, I'll, um, I'll figure it out. But for the most part, and I did, and for the most part my college years were smiles and just just – inebriation mm-hmm. um, I think by the time I got to like my fifth year I was kind of over it and I was ready to be done I always thought like oh five years would be great and right at four and a half I was like man this would have been the right amount of time and then I could have just <laughs> four and a half four and a half would have been perfect yeah. four was not enough five would have been too long <laughs> so it was just it was I, I kind of calmed down quite a bit and um, I was actually really starting to enjoy hanging out with some of the guys that I that we were getting ready to not be around so much so mm-hmm. often so yeah would you say that the alcohol was kind of the spark to that <clears throat> anger, or was that kind of always there? No, I actually don't know where I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. I think most of it came from the fact that you know when you're in high school, if you're a smaller guy, you kind of try to. I wrestled and everything, but I was still. I mean, I wasn't the biggest guy in school, and I wasn't unpopular, but I just always felt a little like insecure, mm-hmm. or like what if something happens, will I really be able to defend myself? And so with wrestling, yeah, great, fine, but that, that's they have different rules than if someone wants to just punch you in the face. Right. So, um, so I knew how to control my body, move around, and um, but no, actually, you know, I think I think there's maybe been a little bit of an issue. I remember when I was really young, I had I had, I had quite a bit of temper and just fly off the handles really fast, and and so um, I don't know where that. I mean, that comes from the enemy. It right. really does. I don't know how he gets that in there, but having a child of my own now, like. He knows the word clap because he'll clap, and I tell him no more than clap, and he does not listen to no. So, <laughs> so it's very evident. You're so that, stubborn. It's very evident that we're born into sin. You right. know, like I didn't teach him to tell me no to things and to not listen to me, and he just wants to do his own thing. So, yeah, I think I think there had been like flashes of it before. I don't necessarily know. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure science would say, well, actually, yes, the alcohol would probably lead you to that. I think it made me more. Maybe more bold, but not less angry. Mm. You know, like yeah. I can, I'll act out right now rather than kind of hold it down and suppress it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the thing. I think as I went into college and I put like a lot of, I started lifting again. I had to so much in high school that I stopped doing it for. I was like, forget it. I don't want to get up anymore and do it anymore. Right. And so, and then in high college, I started lifting and I started gaining weight at the same time and, and just as, as my, I was maturing and everything. And so, I was just a bigger guy. And I just and I just felt like, well, I know how to control my body, and now I'm stronger. So that who can really get in my way? And then it kind of, I felt like, honestly, I feel like people were. It was kind of like who who can get in my way? Like hmm. like how dare you try to be in my way? Kind of a thing, you right. know. So I don't know if it's, <clears throat> it's not like a, a, a today that it's an issue that I have to, you know, take a pill for, right? Right. It was. I think it was a. I think it was a phase of life. It was that forty days that that it was it was just a bunch of things that were going to be good things for me to look back on now and realize that there's a lot of brokenness there. And, right. And, and for whatever reason, that was one of the enemy's avenues mm-hmm. into kind of putting a leash around me. You know, yeah. you know, everyone has their thing. 
for for me, I think it was that, and then and then some of the sexual stuff as well. So, so let's talk about that. A large part of your story is a serious relationship you had with a girl in college. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. <clears throat> so, I dated um, a lot of people in college, but my junior year, I started dating a girl named Beth, and she was great. She was an awesome person. Um, it was like my first super, super serious. I mean, I think we all, like, every time you date someone, it's so serious. But it, it isn't. It isn't. And when you finally date someone seriously, you realize those weren't serious. Right. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, that actually was just because I don't like being alone or whatever. You yeah. know, it's always has a thing. So for <clears throat> for me, this was the first relationship I was in where I really felt like, I, I mean, I didn't want to remove any of my selfishness. So obviously there's not a merit. I mean, I probably thought to myself, it's just hard because you, you go hindsight, right? So you know what you know right. about marriage. you got to die to yourself and all this. And at the time, I probably would have thought, oh, we're probably going to get married. But looking back, I can realize ah, there was nothing about me that wasn't going to stop being selfish. So, mm-hmm. um, But I, I loved her. Like, I, I really did. I actually loved her. I don't know if I was in love with her, but I loved her. And people can say that's stupid or whatever, but um, I loved her. And because um, she, she was nice. She was a nice person. She was nice to everybody. She was fun to be around. We liked all the same stuff. And so that was great. Um but she was doing the smart thing and graduating in four years, and I was graduating in five years. And so um, <clears throat> so when she graduated and left, then I'm in my fifth year of college, and mm. she's not there. And the distance really started not to work. Um, it almost felt like, I guess in a sense with the fighting thing, like there's this thing in my way. How dare it be in my way, mm. you know? Um, and so, so yeah, so I uh, – we – the distance wasn't working and there was a lot of, you know, she, she's at home on a Thursday night going to sleep at nine o'clock. Well, my night is like literally just starting at Thursday at night. And so there's a maturity thing too. She's in the working world. I'm, you know, here I am, uh, at college being a kid still. And so there was a maturity thing. There was just a lot of things working against us in that period of time. She was growing up. And then even when I go visit her, you know, she'd want to go to bed at like nine o'clock and then I'm, this is, you were literally a year ago not going to bed at nine o'clock. I don't understand why this <laughs> yeah, is a thing how did now. Change so fast. Yeah. So see, this so, it's just so selfish, <laughs> yeah. right? Because once you get into work, you got. I mean, if you don't go to bed early, forget it. It's going to be a miserable existence. But so yeah, so um, we started getting into a lot more fights. I don't think we fought really at all until until we were like away from each other, and then everything everything was always turning into a fight and escalating. And um, if I'm really really honest, I think I was trying to get out. But I was too afraid to be a Mm. man about it. Um, I think I started to, like, lay the groundwork for getting her to break up with me. um, Because I felt like she deserved to break up with me. And I, why would you break up with this person, you know? So there's no reason to. So I think it was, I started to try to, try to lay that, lay that work down so that she could, she could make that separation. Mm. And it wasn't working. (laughs) And so uh, she kept fighting, good for her. But, man, I, I, like, knew her family. I went on vacations with her family. Um. Her sister was dating my pledge son, so we were just really intertwined. Our, our yeah. fraternity and our and that, her sorority were really involved with one another, um, and and so we were we were really close. Um, it's like our whole lives were kind of intertwined. And then um, now I think in my I would just, I just want to say this, and I believe it to be true in my fraternity, which is this is going to sound so funny because it's a fraternity, but we never allowed anyone's actions. We never allowed being drunk to be an excuse. You were responsible for your actions 100% no matter what. You don't get to use alcohol as an excuse. Um, and so as I say that, I, I, I go into this part of the story where 
Um, I had been working at a pool for a long time, uh, lifeguarding. It's one of the best jobs I've ever had because I literally almost did nothing but hang out outside <laughs> and got paid a good amount of money for it yeah. in college. Because I was like a manager, so I didn't have to sit in the stand. I had to count the money in the morning and count it in the evening. It was really easy. Yeah. Um, and there was another girl that worked there and whatever. And um, our life group, or I'm sorry, our life group, <laughs> our lifeguard group <laughs> would hang out a lot because it was all younger kids and we all had the same schedules and we'd hang out a lot. It was a fun group. And there was another girl there, and, and I got I got, uh, I got got really drunk, and, and, and then I was told that some stuff happened and that, you know, consequently is cheating on, on this person, on Beth. And so, because I didn't even remember. I didn't remember that it happened. Um, and, and, and there were people there that knew about it, apparently. So that that's also a weird, I don't even want to think about what that means. But, what that might look like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what, what is happening there? Yeah. Uh, because I'm not that I'm not that person. Never have been that <laughs> yeah. person. So I'm just that's a little bit weird to right. me. Um, so I had a buddy that I worked at the pool with. He happened now. Beth moved to Chicago. He happened to be in Chicago, and they ran into each other at a bar. Which so random. If it's not God, like stripping this away, I don't know what it is because right? it's a massive city. How they end up at the same it doesn't make any sense it's to me. Crazy. And he told her, and he told her, and I remember being so mad at him for telling her. Yeah. So mad. And then I was mad because she challenged me on it, but she had no proof. She had no proof, even though she was right. And I remember talking to him, like, why would you tell her that? I thought we were friends. But the reality is he did the right thing, but in the time I was just super selfish and super pissed. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you? I thought we were, I don't understand. I was so frustrated with him, but mostly, mostly, if I'm honest, I was frustrated with myself. And I don't know if it was for getting caught or because I didn't remember, one or the other, you know, or both. Um, and so that's when things really started to unravel because I denied, 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 denied for as long as I could, um, as long as I could. And, and she just knew, hmm. she just knew that women's intuition. Well, I think it was that. And it was also like, here I am trying to like, I'm laying the groundwork for separation for her. Right. So I think for her, like maybe this explains his behavior. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So for whatever reason, it was nailed in the coffin yeah. and, um, and, and, it wasn't like a formal, like, I'm breaking up with you, but it was just done. And uh, I remember being, I was working at a bar, and I was working the door, and I was terrified that that her dad would be coming down. Like, I knew her family was in town, and, and, and I respected him, and I was just so embarrassed. Hmm. So embarrassed. So embarrassed. Um, and so, yeah, so, yeah, that was it. Um, I failed. I failed that pretty bad, and, and um, I can honestly say that, I have never felt worse about anything in my entire life hmm. than I did about that because she's a good person. Yeah. And she didn't deserve that. And I believe that to this day. Um, and so, you know, for her, like, I I know I cared about her because I still want the best for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm happy if she's happy. Um, yeah. But I just I just know that that one was – that's hard. I mean, that is that definitely does stick out as, as – as, um, you know, it's funny because all of the things – I was in college for five years. I don't remember a lot of things. But the, some of the things that do stick out to me are a couple of my good friends, and then this, this like this thing really, hmm. and it was like at the, it was my fifth year, so it yeah. stunk to like leave college on Might this know. note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stupid. We dated for like two years. It was crazy. Yeah. So what did you learn through that experience in that relationship? Um, <clears throat> what I learned uh, was about yourself. You know, whatever. Yeah. That was. Yeah, I mean, I learned. I learned. I learned a couple things. I learned. Um, that I'm not called to be a bad person because it made me feel just so terrible. Mm. And in like, in a way of, 
I don't know. I think in college it can get misconstrued. I think if if a guy has like a big number, like oh look at that, but but that's just not like that. Just wasn't comfortable, mm-hmm. and none of like none of this. This was awful. Yeah. And so so that's just so that was good. Like I felt like okay, I am supposed to be a good person. <laughs> I'm not called yeah. to be yeah everything for God's glory and God's will, and He can call me to be some crappy guy that He wants to use as an example. Great, but that just was clear to me that that didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Um, I learned that that failing in that way is like a deep, deep fear of mine. And I don't, maybe it started there. I don't know. I don't have like this, I don't have like this moment in childhood where I, you know, didn't hit the winning run in and my dad rebuked me in front of everybody. I don't, I don't have <laughs> that, you know. My parents would have never done that. But hmm. but I, my biggest fear in life is, is for whatever reason, failure. And I think maybe this is part of it. I don't know if it's all of it. There's no way for me to know. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely – that was that's a glaring thing to me was that was a big fail mm-hmm. a big fail um and it's just so gross and so it's actually easy to you know stay away from people or things like that anymore but because you're really, so afraid of the <clears throat> failure yeah the yeah like yeah yeah i mean i'm not it's not even it's funny because that was such a horrific experience for me that there is literally no temptation or any kind of desire to ever relive that whatsoever mm, yeah and and i think that's good i think that's good um, I think my wife would be happy to hear that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. But then the other thing was, too, that, um, you know, in in college, I think one of the, the darkest things for me to talk about, at least from a heart issue, you know, a lot of that stuff was external. Anger is one thing, and, and, and getting in fights is, is – that's stupid. But a lot of it is uh, is external. Maybe – I mean, some of it's a check on the heart. But to me, it just felt really external. Um not like it was a really dark part I was hiding. Yeah. There was a dark part that I think developed in college, um, whereas the more I was involved in um, sexual relationships, the more I realized that this, this for me wasn't about a feeling. It wasn't about um, a connection. It wasn't about the person. It wasn't about the emotion. It was about an experience. Um, and that even, like, that even manifested in different ways. I know... I think I'm kind of wired that way a little bit, not necessarily just in that regard to that to that realm, but even in college, I, I was looking for things to do, like climb the hardest mountain in the lower 48 states. I think that, and I think a lot of people go through that even in their own faith walk. Like, if I'm not having an experience every time, hmm. then is it then am I getting what I'm supposed to be getting out of it? Hmm. And I think early on in like my super sinful life, because obviously I still live a sinful life, I try not to, um, but we're all sinners. I think that now that that's more of a thing for me where um, I can see like in, in a student that, well, you're going to that, are you going for that message or are you going for that experience? Mm-hmm. Because those are two very different things and they're two very different yeah, paths and they're dangerous. Um, because a pastor shouldn't be giving you an experience. Mm-hmm. They should just, they're there to teach, right? And, and all that. Um, experience comes from the Lord. So, so sorry, sidetracked, but to get back, you know, every, 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 every person represented an experience. So you're always looking for that new yeah, thing new, to try, that new, new person to exactly. try. Exactly. Well, and that sounds so disgusting. And it is. It is. It really is. But it, it was about, like, type and experience. And, um, I mean, it was a little bit about personality because that would generate a different experience. But it, nothing – when it wasn't – when I wasn't in a relationship, nothing about it was was type. Or nothing about it was about the person or their – or who they were. Mm-hmm. It was It was everything about – let me figure out this this experience. Let me have this experience. Let me do this thing, and 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 that that's creepy and gross. And I think that's okay to say because 
if someone were to listen to this that's in college that's a female, I'd want them to know that there's idiots that are out there that think that way. Mm. That they might be able to say all the right things, but for them you just represent an experience. It's not an emotional connection in any way. <clears throat> and then what's sad about that is um, that that you learn you know, later in life as you get older, and you can research this and read science about it, but the more that you engage that way, the more you give of, give away of yourself. Like, yeah. And things you can't get back. And, and, and I think God was protecting us from that in the Bible when he talks about sexual sin. But he doesn't say that specifically. Um, because he has made one perfect partner for, for us, you know, or made a partner for us that we're supposed to be with. And so, you know, the sad thing about that is, is now all those things that, you know, I've given certain pieces of myself away that yeah. I can't get back and I'll never get them back. But that's why salvation in Christ is so important yeah. because um, we can be whole through him and we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have to have, we don't have, it, has, it doesn't have to be all about us. You know, I think that's great. Yeah. So you talk about how perhaps your biggest struggle was the sexual sin and that darkness and how you thought it was gross. Yeah. Um, how did that make you feel about yourself? Well, the, so the th- yeah, that's a good question. I feel like, yeah, you know, in looking back, here's the thing. So this is, I guess this is a whole, the whole answer is looking, now I'm able to look back and go, yes, that is, that is a glaring, um, that was a glaring weakness of mine that at the time didn't feel like a weakness. Um, if you'd asked me in college if I believed in Jesus, you you would have got a yes, right? But I did not walk the walk. I didn't know what the walk was, right? I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the ability to know that there was an alternative, and I didn't also think, outside of the social ramifications of objectifying women, mm-hmm. I didn't. It didn't feel wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like sin. I guess is what right. I'm trying to say. You felt like it was a normal thing people did in the world, right? And I think I think the church, even as I grew up, I mean, sex before marriage. It, I mean, people are aware of it, but it didn't it didn't feel as heavy as it was because I didn't know about the whole giving yourself away thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would come back to, to hit me really hard later on, but, like, really hard, like a punch in the face. Um, but, yeah, I, so at the time, about myself, it just felt like this is what everyone's doing, you know. The, the deeper the deeper parts of that, I wasn't aware of until much later after the fact, and then I was able to look back and, and look at those, you know, removed and look at that situation and ask myself why. They always say if you ask yourself why five times, you get to the bottom of the, of the problem. You hmm. get to the very base of it. So... As I've as I've done a lot of like, you know, growing and knowing the Lord, I think you also grow to know yourself and so, uh, and know how He's made you. And so I, I can look back and go, yeah, that was, that was not good. And those are really unhealthy things, and that's disgusting and a terrible way to be. But that 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 thought process has really only come to me since being saved. Mm-hmm. And so, at the time, like I said, other than but and here's the thing, it wasn't it wasn't like I was that successful. Um, you know, it wasn't like. I wasn't like a ladies' man. I couldn't go pick up any girl I wanted. So, at the, so at the time, it wasn't. If it had been like that, maybe I would have felt worse about myself. But um, it wasn't. It, you know, it was. It was intentional with a with a few people, and so I didn't feel necessarily wrong. And especially if if it felt like if it felt like they weren't looking for more either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I didn't at the time. It wasn't until later. It wasn't until yeah. much later where you realize like. Wow, this is this is, and that's the thing with a lot of sin, right? Is that, and especially with this one, that it doesn't always the consequences don't always hit you right away. It's true. They it takes a while. It can take a long time. And then you then you're in a place where now you're like, 
oh my gosh, I want to go back in time and punch myself in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just say, wake Slap up. Slap myself. What yeah, but God has a reason for that, you know, and so yeah. it's a weird balance of, of not using that as an excuse but finding a, I think if you, if you think if you can use that part of, of your past to glorify him in some way, mm-hmm. then it's okay to be thankful for what you went through. Yeah. But I think if you use it as an excuse to walk around and do whatever you want, well, that's probably not the intention. Sure, sure. So what happened after college? So after college, um, <clears throat> it was 2009. It was the worst time to get a job since uh, the Great Depression. And had I graduated in four years like a real human being, I would have, I would have gotten a job. <laughs> so I did what every college kid does these days: moved back in with my parents, yep. and then um, I got a job with J.P. Morgan Chase and moved to Chicago. The thing with the University of Iowa is, is that nobody graduates and goes, "I want to live in Iowa City." <laughs> right. So it people people go all over the country afterwards. And so when I moved to Chicago, a lot of kids had moved back, and so I knew a lot of people there. It was like nothing had changed but the location. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to go to work, yeah. which so, I which I hated. <laughs> so yeah. work and then party. Yeah, That's pretty much. Really yeah, know. yeah, pretty much. It, it was more it was more congested to the weekends. You know, it uh-huh. wasn't as often. Which I think, if I'm really honest, every college kid that has had that experience that I had is kind of glad. <laughs> You're kind of like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, like, putting the brakes on a little. Yeah, bit, I'm yeah. out. I don't have I don't have to make an excuse not to. No one's gonna make fun of me. It's like now I got to work tomorrow. You know, yeah. so. Honestly, it's kind of like when you have a kid, it's a good excuse to get out of it. <laughs> You're like, oh, we can't. We have the baby. You know, so so I think I think if everyone's really honest. Now, there are some of my fraternity brothers that don't feel that way and are 35 years old and still pass out in stairwells. Um, yeah, so I moved to Chicago. Um, and I remember when I was there, you know, everything was kind of the same. And I think I was ready for change. Especially, like I said, in my fifth year of college, it started to wind down a little bit. And I uh-huh. think that I was realizing that this is just shallow. It's not as fun. So I just felt like it, I needed, I wanted to change. Yeah. Um, now I grew up in a Lutheran church, and one time I had gone to a church with my buddy Eric, and they only sang and did a message. And I was like, this is great. Because at a Lutheran church, you got to memorize all this stuff and sing the hymns and do the thing, stand up, sit down. And for some people, that's great. Some people, they think, like, for them it's important because they feel like they're checking things off the list. I understand. I totally get it. Uh, that's why there's different kinds of churches. But I didn't know what that kind of church was called. Uh-huh. I had no clue. Uh, and this is funny, and anyone who listens that does go to church, like, everyone knows who Willow Creek is. I was so out of not a part of church that I had no clue, what, like, what Willow Creek uh-huh. was or where it was. Because had I known it, I probably would have gone there. And if you do a Google search and when you're living in Chicago for church, good luck. Cause, yeah. Because <laughs> that there's, like, a million. And so I remember wanting to find a church, um, and I couldn't. And, I, and so I just kind of gave up because it was overwhelming. But then I... Um, then I, I got a job that moved me to Colorado, and um, I wasn't qualified for it, but I took it anyway, And because I, I really felt, and I know this now, once again, the hindsight thing, that right. there was something pushing me there, and I, I can tell you right now, I know exactly where I was when I felt like what, what I would know now is God's voice pushing me. I was, I was sitting at a stoplight right before an underpass to get onto the freeway, onto the tollway uh, on 88 in Chicago, and so um, I remember I just got to go. I got to go. Hmm. My mom was like... How are the benefits? And are you sure? And are they growing? Are they big? Because it's a small yeah. business, you know. So, so I moved out here, um, and then once again, everyone leaves Iowa City. So I was kind of back into the same thing, just changed the scenery. I had mm. friends here that I knew, but this one guy, his name was Mike. He, I kind of started to talk to him at a deeper level. I didn't tell anybody else from my fraternity or Chicago that I wanted to go to church, and and he was like, "Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm feeling like I need to go back to church too. Like I want to go." 
because the little that I know, he had two friends that were pushing him to kind of join them at a church called uh-huh. Red Rocks Church. Um, and so he had mentioned it to me, and he said, I only have a 5 p.m. service. I was like, well, 5 p.m. means I can make all kinds of mistakes on Saturday and still go to church. So we went there for the first time. It was in July. It was like literally right after I moved here. It was like two weekends after I moved here. And um, I remember we pulled up to Heritage Square, which is not Red Rocks Amphitheater, which is very confusing if you're not from here. And you're like, Red Rock Church is going to be at the amphitheater. That would be cool. Um, Walked in. Sean was talking about basically everything in life that the world does one way and God does a different way. Mm -hmm. Finances, relationships, whatever you want. And I was just like, man, this is, I didn't even know this was a thing. And God spoke to me that day. He's like, this is what I have planned for you. I want Mm. these things for you. And I got saved that day. Um, I remember where I was sitting. I mean, I know what the message looked like and the slides. And there was a door. That was it. Um, It was awesome. Yeah. It was a great experience. Yeah. What happened that changed you in that moment? Like, what part of your heart was God speaking to? I think he was speaking to the part that was longing, right? Mm. I think it was becoming really clear to me that this wasn't, this couldn't be it. Right, like mm-hmm. partying and all that. Like, yeah. if this is it, this is a suggy life. Mm-hmm. It's good for a season, to some people, um, but it, this is not it. And so, I don't, I don't really know. I just know that, and I, maybe my mom gets credit because you know, going to church mm-hmm. for so long, like it was just kind of planted in me. Maybe I'm not doing something. What's the one thing I'm not doing? Well, I guess I'm, I'm an adult. And I'm not going to church. So maybe that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And there was just a lot there. I, I, I think, man, I'm trying to think. That's a really good question. Like. What changed in that moment? I, it was honestly an, an openness of here is what I have planned for you. Get to know me, and I'll show hmm. you. And and so like I jumped in. I wanted right. to know all about it. I wanted to know all about this better, different life. Not easier, but better um, life. And I wanted to have that, and I wanted to be a part of that. And he started to move through me and um, and challenge me to do things, which was weird because he had never really cha- like he like hey nudge me into church and then now he's like all right it's kind of like when you know jesus hills or talks to the woman at the well he's like oh you know the person you're looking for is me hey also by the way now no longer go and sin go go and sin no more you're like buddy don't sin anymore yikes Mm -hmm. but if he tells you i guess maybe you don't but but yeah so that was um that so i started getting involved and the church had a young adults group and he challenged me to go to that and so i went to that and um then he challenged me to get in life groups, and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not doing this, because I've, I've got some darkness here. I'm starting to realize, and I don't want to share it with all these perfect people who've, you know, grew up in a Christian home, gone to church their whole life, got saved when they were in sixth grade. Right. I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to be a part of that, and and I don't want to like make myself that. I'm, I'm, I like this place. I don't want them to like look at me differently, you know. Yeah. And um, and I even missed the signups on purpose, and then he, I, I. He wins every time, so I emailed and got in a group, and um, it was great. It was yeah. a good, yeah, yeah. And and obviously through that, began showing you kind of those places in your heart from the past. And yeah, I think first he said, "I want you to know me. Uh-huh. I want you to know me. I want you to know me." I think just like the woman at the well. Not to compare myself to a woman at the well who uh, can't go out in normal times of day, but I think you know she had been looking for this. She'd heard about this guy and heard about this guy, and then he, like, drops this bomb of, who knows how long they were talking, of, like, oh, that guy you're looking for is me. Hmm. And then and then he kind of says, so he, she, so he, you know, she actually, without knowing, was getting to know him. Yeah. And then, and then he said, okay, now here, go do this. So I, I think that in that in that time, like, I joined a life group, and I, did, I joined it for selfish reasons. I was like, I just feel, 
I want to get to know God better, and this is the next step he's, he's asking me to take, is mm. to, to get to know him through a group. And so yeah. um, I, I didn't join it to make friends. I didn't join it. I just joined because I felt like he was saying, I, I want you to know me more, and this is your next step. Because yeah. I, was, I was in, man. And I think, I think every Christian, if, if we can go back in time, that's like the place you just want to live in, right? Like, you <laughs> yes. want to live in that place of, if only. of like just pursuit and learning and growing and then and then – and then you just, it's not like that all the time. Yeah. It's funny, though, those, it's almost like the honeymoon, yeah. right? The honeymoon phase. It, it's it's joyful and enjoyment. Even though there's hard parts of it, you enjoy all of it. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, yes. everything's so new and all, every experience is yeah. so. 100%. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not tired of the same anymore. And it's an experience thing. But, right. but he was challenging me to go, like, this is how I made you. Here's the ones I want you to have. I'm going to challenge yeah. you to. To take the take these risks instead and go this place, yeah. so that's good to, to talk. That's that makes sense. Yeah, the whole experience mm-hmm. thing kind of shining its head back. Josh's story might sound like one that you've experienced, or perhaps a child of yours has experienced, or a friend. It's a common theme in our society, going to college, getting caught up into the mold and wanting to fit in, so partying, drinking, um, sexual immorality, but Josh went through all of that. You know, he he did the drinking, he did the drugs, he did the um, relationships, and felt very unfulfilled in that. In fact, came out with a very strong fear of failure, um, regrets um, having cheated on someone that he really cared about. And I think that goes to show that the world cannot provide the satisfaction and fulfillment that you're looking for, that any of us are looking for. Um, But even though that was a part of his story, um, things now look very different for him today. In fact, let's find out where he is today. So what's life like for you today? So in that life group, I would end up meeting the woman that would become my wife. I didn't join it for that reason, but that is a great place to meet your wife. Um, I don't think God necessarily is mad if you join a life group to try to meet your spouse. Uh, <laughs> nope. Personal belief. Um, so I met my wife there. Um, we started dating. I got baptized that June. Started volunteering um, with a youth ministry up in Greeley, and then started volunteering with the youth ministry here, and then leaving a job uh, because it was trying to make people rich to leaving it to being in a job where they try to help people and then I got offered a job here which made no sense to me because I'm a frat boy from the University of Iowa who took five years to get a degree <laughs> uh and and so it didn't make any sense to me I had no experience um and then and then I said I just said yes because because it didn't make any sense to me it was why it felt right like I didn't earn this it's being given to yeah. me just like just like salvation I did nothing to earn that in in my college years, I've, I've done enough to never earn it, right? Yeah. Or in, in my in my stealing beer out of garage phase, you know, <laughs> I've, I've never done enough to earn it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so my so I got back, and then, and then um, Jesse Davis did did Caroline and I's wedding, and um, we had we have a son now, and, and so um, it's been quite the ride. Everything I know, God brought me to Colorado because he wanted to teach me about him through this church, every aspect about life with him through this mm. place and so I'm ex- incredibly loyal to Red Rocks Church just because it's everything I know it's everything I know about being saved it's everything I know about being in community with believers it's everything I know about doing youth ministry it's everything I know about raising a family I mean it's everything I know about 
the walk that God was calling me to. And so for me, man, he used this place. It's great because some people don't get it all in one place. Mm -hmm. I got a one-stop shop here. I got everything I need. (laughs) I got a wife, a job, everything I I need is right here. So, yeah, unless they unless unless Red Rocks moves to a different state, I'm not moving. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now you have a son too. Yeah, 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 yep. It's crazy. Yeah, yep, Kellen, he's awesome. He's gonna be ten months old in like on Easter. And he's seriously one of the cutest kids I've ever seen. <laughs> Probably gonna get him into a lot more trouble than I could have ever gotten <laughs> yeah. into. That's for sure. Um, would you say that what you went through in college gives you a particular passion for the youth that you're now pouring into about? to go into that same season of life? Yeah, I, you know, you got to be careful with youth kids because they haven't lived a lot of life yet. And so I, I have a hard time, like, at first I want, at first I would tell myself, like, I went through all this stuff so I could help others not go through this stuff. Um, while I want them to to not go through it really badly, the reality is they're going to make mistakes. If they weren't going to make mistakes, there would be no reason for Jesus to have ever been yeah. here. So they're going to make mistakes. Um and and so I, I don't I don't I hope and I pray against any kind of you know deep seated darkness in their hearts. But yeah, it gives me a passion to and it gives me a way to level with them. It gives me yeah. a credibility to them that I can stand on stage and confidently say that I've I've done everything you're going to do and maybe worse. Mm-hmm. You know and and I and I made mistakes. Um, and and the thing that I tell a lot of you students now is you're going to make mistakes in life, but that's not going to ever change how I feel about you. You know, and I think that's awesome because I, I think I think that is such a, a reflection of God's character mm. because I made a ton of mistakes and he still saw me through it, you yeah. know, and so. Well, if there's one thing you could share with the audience, one thing you can leave the listener with, what would it be? Oh, gosh, I thought about this question so much. It's so hard. <laughs> it's um, a really deep one, I know. I think, I think it is that thing. I think it's the, it's the. Mistakes are going to happen. And if you dwell on them, the enemy wins. Mm. But if you dwell on the fact that the Lord will and can redeem those mistakes, if you let him, and what that means is not, oh, I'm forgiven, I'll just go make the same mistake. Mm. Right? Sure. But using that in a way to glorify him, I think I think that that's, that's where you want to be, mm. is you want to be in a place of, okay, I made a mistake. But if I dwell on this mistake, I'm dwelling on the enemy, not on the victory. Mm. And if I dwell on on the fact that God has redeemed me and he wants to use me, um, I think that'll lead you in the right direction. It works almost in unison with the whole can have over can't have thing. Mm. I think yeah. the sin sin takes away. So focusing on the sin is can't have, mm. which is so backwards because everyone yeah. thinks Christianity is can't have. Right. But then... God is all about can have. Mm-hmm. So if that makes any sense, I think that's it my does. big. I think that's my big. Like for me, that's a big thing lately, and especially as becoming a parent. Like my son's gonna make mistakes. Yeah. And I'm gonna love him through all of them. Hmm. That's so good. That's yeah. really good. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, Josh, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you, Brittany. Today you got a peek into the story of a person who went through a difficult situation, one many might relate to. If you do, and even if you don't know what that situation was like, but you can relate to some of the feelings Josh talked about, be encouraged to know that your story doesn't end with the difficult situation. 
It's a scene in your story, but it's not the end of your story. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is something that is ministering to you or you think others might find interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people who might need to hear the story of redemption. Tune in again in two weeks for another powerful story of redemption. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.brittanyrest.com. I'll see you next time.